episode of 10x hacks for startup and venture success today we have here a very interesting a healthcare uh, thought leader and i say interesting because he is based in the uk but he is very active in the silicon valley investor and startup community here inspiring uh, people to uh, push the forefront of innovation I did a program with Harvard Kennedy School, which is called Reimagining Healthcare, and that's largely the crux of what I'm trying to do at the moment: is can we reimagine how we deliver healthcare? Can we reimagine how we generate health? Because if you look at healthcare systems all across the world, they are not designed at the moment to generate health; they are designed largely to treat disease. On the podcast today, we have Minesh Kashu. He is professor of perinatal health, and he's a consultant neonatologist at the National Health Services. If you ask me, what is going to be the biggest innovation in healthcare for the next couple of decades? I will say it's not going to be a drug. I will say it's not going to be a device. i would bet on that the biggest innovation in healthcare for the next couple of decades is going to be data professor minesh kasu is reputed for having written to the prime minister of uk about supporting the frontline care workers during covid situation in the current podcast professor kasu talks about three p's of product development and the why 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 methodology for startups to validate their idea he also talks about a customer centric approach to innovation in healthcare and a lot of insights on data and telehealth you are introducing your team of people as a startup group I think both the head and heart boxes need to be ticked. They are doing some amazing work during uh, the COVID situation uh, in UK, and I cannot wait to uh, you know welcome Minesh on the show and talk all about what's happening in healthcare innovation landscape. Welcome, Minesh. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to have a chat today. And uh, as you rightly said, I am a neonatologist in Poole Hospital in the south of. Uh, south coast of uk i have lots of different hats which i juggle around uh, as many of us do and uh, innovation large scale improvement are quite close to my heart so i think it's it's lovely to have a chat today and as part of different hats that i wear within healthcare uh, regionally and nationally as well as some international roles i get a very good view from different vantage points within healthcare and those different views give me generally quite a good feel of what will work and what won't work in terms of change and how much time it will take so i think uh, that that gives me really quite a rich perspective i've also um, being born in india trained initially in india then trained in the uk then trained in canada i worked in many different healthcare systems and that diverse training and experience 
gives me an edge over a lot of other clinicians who perhaps have always worked in one healthcare system. So I've seen different things being done the same way or same things being done in different ways in different healthcare systems, which again, which again helps when I understand and explore complexity problems within healthcare. Okay, fantastic uh, introduction. We need uh, definitely interdisciplinary experts like you. You know, you mentioned you're a thought leader who has worked in different landscapes here, like in India, in UK, in Canada, and I believe you have a certification from Harvard Kennedy School as well. Right. Yeah. So I I did a program with Harvard Kennedy School, which is called Reimagining Healthcare. And that's largely the crux of what I'm trying to do at the moment is, can we reimagine how we deliver healthcare? Can we reimagine how we generate health? Because if you look at healthcare systems all across the world, they are not designed at the moment to generate health. They are designed largely to treat disease. Yes. Treatment of disease is not necessarily the best way to go about generating health. So a big push from my end is always, can, can we reimagine healthcare so that we're generating health rather than just treating disease? Yes. So, you know, on that thought, as a, as a frontline healthcare leader, what are some of the ways you propose uh, a healthcare system can be redesigned? Let's say you look at the UK healthcare system or the US healthcare system or the Canadian uh, the Indian healthcare system, uh, can we like draw uh, like a couple of points of comparison and then, you know, can you say something about it? I think the first and foremost important point I feel is uh, that healthcare systems wherever they are need to be focused at generating health rather than treating disease. So prevention becomes an important paradigm early diagnosis becomes an important paradigm. So I think that's quite important because if you look at efficiency, efficacy of healthcare, if you look at costs of healthcare, we will always be chasing our tail if we focus on treating disease. So if you look at diabetes, right. for example, yeah, so diabetes um, accounts for almost 10% of healthcare costs within the United Kingdom. Yeah, And diabetes, at least a large part of it, is potentially a treatable disease, a preventable disease. At least you can prevent some of the complications of diabetes. So if it costs 10% of the healthcare budget as one disease, preventing diabetes or minimizing the burden of diabetes in the community is quite important. And that's the only way you can make it cost effective because if you start treating the complications, apart from the difficulties for the patient, at a national level, at a societal level, it's too costly. So that's that's the first important message. The second message is we are not engaging with communities to generate health. So my second important message is health is about social movement. It's about collective action. It's about people taking responsibility for their health and the health of the community. Right. So that's that's message number two. And message number three, which is perhaps going to be more interesting and more important uh, for, for, your, for your audience, is if you ask me what is going to be the biggest innovation in healthcare for the next couple of decades, I will say it's not going to be a drug. I will say it's not going to be a device. 
I would bet on that the biggest innovation in healthcare for the next couple of decades is going to be data. Mm. How we look at data, how we generate insights from data. Data in itself is an inno- uh, is a is a is a innovation. Data in itself is an innovation in a sort of a, 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 not just an innovation. I think it's an intervention. Uh, that can be used in any way, two ways. So we're collecting a lot of data all across the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Five, 10% of that data. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the current research paradigm, a lot of it is still in the traditional mode of either randomized controlled trials or observational trials. But we have so much data that if we started using that more in the form of big data, in the form of AI, we would learn things much faster, much better. We would get answers to some of our questions much quicker. So I think startups, new ventures, which focus on the use of data, on the focus on the use of big data on AI will serve well to get us as frontline clinicians answers to some of the bigger questions much quicker than traditional research means. I'm not saying that traditional research is not required, but I think in proportion to the amount of time, energy, money that we're spending on traditional research, we need to we need to spend much more on data. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an amazing uh, uh, clarity in, in in your thought because the healthcare landscape is so chaotic. It is so diverse. So many things happening. There is the process innovation. There is the healthcare education innovation. There is uh, uh, you know medical devices, uh, telehealth, and you you provided amazing clarity. You know, on that note, I want to ask you as an advisor to startups and being in the venture capital community. Uh, uh, serving uh, your valuable insights there to to innovators. What do you think are the common mistakes made by startup founders, which which you want to tell them? You know, like you see it all the time, and you like, you know, I wish you did this differently. Uh, I think obviously I always like to start with the positives. So I think anybody who has already embarked on a journey of startups or who is thinking of doing so, I think first and foremost, I would like to congratulate them. Because being in that domain is not easy work. It, it tells me a few things about them. It tells me that they are passionate. They believe in something quite deeply. Yes. And they do also have an important attribute, which is that they feel the present isn't good enough. We want to make it better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although all those things, uh, the first and foremost thing is to is is to is to celebrate and congratulate all those people who are working in that domain. Mm-hmm. However, by the nature of being in that domain and being too focused and passionate about a particular, say, a particular idea or a particular product, it has its side effects, and one of the side effects is people will sometimes rush to find solutions to things without perhaps necessarily understanding the problem better. So the biggest, biggest, uh, I would say, weakness I sometimes find with startups 
is they don't understand the why better. And what do I mean by the why? The why is one of the first questions I ask people when I start advising them is, uh, they say we want to make um, Gadget X. So I ask them, why do you want to make Gadget X? Then they give me an answer. And we keep going till I distill in their mind why actually they want Gadget X. So unless they understand really clearly why they are doing what they are doing, they will not be able to provide the best product or the best solution to that problem. So I think the first and foremost is understanding the problem you're trying to solve. So I think I think that's 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 the that's the key um, area or weakness I find uh, in some situations when I talk to startups. The other thing I generally tend to do is perhaps use what I call three P's. So P1 for product, P2 for process, P3 for people. So as a startup, if you pitch to me or if you want me interested, you first need to have clarity of what your product is. And sometimes I find people are not clear. Is their product a product? Is their product a service? Um, and also, who is the product for? Right. Because many a time I find people have an idea, they do well with it, but they are not sure actually who their main customer is, who, who is the product for. Uh, and, and that sometimes happens because you need time. You need time. You need to be swimming in those waters to get clarity of which way you want to swim. But if you really want to succeed within the innovation startup domain, I think uh, the quicker, the better clarity you have with regard to who is the product for, the, the faster faster you will sort of, you, you, will, you will taste success. So that's the first P is product. Thank you for listening to the podcast 10X Hacks for Startup and Venture Success. This is your host, Vida Patel. I'm bringing you interviews of investors and founders from Silicon Valley and across the globe. This podcast takes a lot of time and effort, so please support this by subscribing to my iTunes, SoundCloud, and LinkedIn podcast pages. Also, please leave your valuable feedback. I will try to make this podcast better with your comments. Thank you so much. The second P is process. And the process issue is about how a startup or a company or group are planning to solve somebody's problem. Because we said the first thing is the why, whose problem is it? And then you say, oh, I have a product to solve this problem. So if you're going to solve this problem for this person, what is your process of solving? Because the process will vary. So if you look at, say, I gave an example of, say, diabetes. Right. If the problem within diabetes is that we are getting too many people into complications of diabetes and you want to generate a product that decreases that, if the product is aimed at a person with diabetes, then the process is different. If a product is aimed at a health service that treats diabetes, then the process is different. Uh, if, if the product is aimed at, say, only diabetologists 
who treat people with diabetes or complications of diabetes then the process is different so uh, so understanding whose problem you are solving primarily and what process you need to solve that problem for that particular individual or entity or system becomes quite important and the third bit for startups uh, i think which is the third p from my perspective is people right you want me to invest in you or if you want me to engage with you as a collaborator as somebody who's going to take an idea forward i'm quite interested in knowing the people so i sometimes find people pitch up with their slide deck and everything is fine the numbers look okay but they haven't really told a story about who the people are uh, why are you in this why do you want to do this who else is with you so it's not uh, partly it's about expertise so you would obviously want people who who have experience in the domain within the team you would have people who have financial uh, credentials to be in the team you want people who have uh, program management or similar expertise but more importantly you are looking for people who emotionally connect mm. with primary person for whom the product is who understand it from that customer's perspective right um, and a lot of investing is done from the heart even though a lot of people will say oh no 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 we 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 look at the merits of the case and it's done red uh, i i rarely find people investing in startups or uh, and the like without actually an emotional connection heart to heart um, yes you you need to understand uh, sort of uh, from the head whether it's 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 an idea worth worth investing in I, i'm not denying that but i think you need to tick both boxes so when you are introducing your team of people as a startup group i i think both the head and heart boxes need to be ticked you know you you've given the 3p idea uh, which is so simplified and uh, you talked about customer centricity you understand your customer now you're talking about uh, another phase of an investor where they investing with the heart this is uh, pretty valuable for a startup founder when you approach an investor uh, you know trying to figure out where their heart is so um, do you have any specific examples of your own uh, interests which you can share which you feel uh, can you can talk about yeah yeah so for example uh, there uh, so you so you could uh, there's a startup who are looking at devising a product which will help uh say people from the me- medical community uh get quick insights from the research because research is quite huge there are thousands of papers which are uh, which are published every week so there's no way uh, as a researcher or as a student or as a doctor you can keep up to up to speed with all the research it's it's, it's sort of near impossible so one of the products they are developing is uh, is a way where they can summarize key research findings in 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 easy chunks for people to sort of assimilate and digest quite quickly um so if you looked at that as an example so me being a researcher or me being a healthcare professional who actually uh, for whom the shoe pinches my interest in that 
as a proposition to invest will be much higher than something else that I, I, I don't experience. More importantly, going back to my idea of why are you doing this and for whom, uh, for, for, for that, say particular example, you could say uh, that their primary audience or uh, their primary customer is a healthcare professional. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, I could easily argue that actually it isn't. Mm. Because you you might you might think about a solution to a problem with a particular customer in mind, but when startups are sort of starting, they need to expand and ask themselves: Is that the right customer? Is that the only customer? So, for example, going back to that that summary of uh, say research evidence, uh, primarily focused at 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 doctors uh, or at researchers. Um, I would say, why isn't a patient with that particular disease your primary customer? Or um, why couldn't, uh, say, the journals which publish articles be your primary customer? Right. So if, for example, uh, I am a patient um, with Parkinson's disease or at risk of Parkinson's disease, or I might have early Parkinson's disease, whatever, or I'm a charity which looks after patient, patients with Parkinson's disease. If you provide me with chunks of information which say what, is the, what are the latest advances in Parkinson's disease, that is a good product for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. if you started thinking that my, your customer only is a researcher in Parkinson's disease, or your customer only is a clinician who treats people with Parkinson's disease, you perhaps haven't explored the full range of who your, uh, who, who, who your customer is. Right. And right. you find that that narrow focus actually has prevented you from exploring perhaps better options mm -hmm. with bigger and better return on investment mm -hmm. than came up with. So I think exploring um, why you want to solve the problem for you, whom you want to solve the problem. Because at the end of the day, if the idea is to improve the outcome of a patient with Parkinson's disease, right. who is the primary customer? The primary customer is the patient with Parkinson's disease. Everybody else are middlemen. Yes, I see yeah? what you're saying. So you, you did a lot of deep analysis. You went very deep into the who is the customer and now you nailed down the right customer. So this is a confusion which uh, healthcare startups face. They don't know the, who their actual customer is. Who is the actual customer is or who would be the most appropriate customer? Mm. Because I could sell it to, um, because the easy thing to think about is that I'm going to give uh, chunks of information to professionals within that particular domain, which is fine. But you might actually find there are better customers, more important customers, easier to reach customers, or bigger number of customers that will actually value my service more than necessarily. So I'm not. I'm sort of. I'm just giving you that that that, that as an example. Yeah. So if I have diabetes, a solution to diabetes care has biggest value for me. It doesn't have biggest value for the clinician. It doesn't have biggest value for the director of the hospital. 
it doesn't have biggest value for the insurance company which covers my health care they are all interested they are all invested but the biggest value if my product is good is to the person with the clinical condition yes that's an amazing insight most people don't think that way they are very focused on the product your uh, this is you know you you're talking about customer centricity as your paradigm you start with the customer only way you going to generate efficiency efficacy and engagement because if you generate a product for the wrong customer then there's a good chance that you may not be as successful as you want to be right this is something i sort of i i strongly believe in because i think this is the only way to do it only right way to do it you could do it in any other way but the right way to do is be very clear who is the customer who has the problem which i am trying which i am trying to and sometimes it might happen uh, that you know the customer is the patient but the product is such that you perhaps will prefer a middleman to do it yeah so right. for example example um if you have say a device that is used uh, within surgery yeah um so the device is for a patient for a particular surgical operation but the decision to use device a versus device b is not in the hands of me as a patient isn't it yeah it's only in the hands of the surgeon who will choose whether it's device a or b or c or whatever depending upon how how how, how well they do Uh, so there it makes sense to focus a lot of energy on the person who's going to choose which device to use which is the surgeon as a surgeon um, my focus on the device might be it's very easy to use yeah or um, uh, uh, it it may its cost might be an important thing or you you might say um it uh, it's very aesthetic or whatever it is so from a, from a from a surgeon perspective those might be quite high on the agenda or quite high priorities whereas uh, or less infection risk for example between uh, multiple devices whereas for a patient uh, what might be higher on the agenda might be um, that the prosthesis gives the person less pain yeah or we have less need uh, for taking another medication to suppress some of the complications whatever it is so exactly. i think um, going back to the patient going back to the primary customer and making sure that their priorities are always at the back of our mind is always going to add value to the product right right so th- this is uh, this is truly amazing insight i worked with uh, intrasurgical uh, device uh, you know infrared device you know sometimes uh, inserting it in the patient is so complicated and uh, you know the surgeon is turned off the patient is turned off so you you're exactly right especially uh, so in healthcare you're looking at the patient and the doctor's angle here when you're talking about this product so minesh uh, you know earlier early on in this conversation you were talking about data i i wanted to ask you a follow up question on that can i go ahead and uh, to ask about it what kind of innovation in data is required because as far as i know in united states the problem is data is fragmented you know it's not in a, a consistent workflow if you want to study something there is no longitudinal data available uh, if you look at india there even adoption of basic healthcare uh, you know services there is there is a lot of fragmentation 
So in that sense, what kind of innovation are you talking about in data? We look at COVID. So uh, COVID, like uh, any difficult situation, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. COVID has catalyzed some innovations. Uh, COVID has accelerated some. And uh, one of the areas that has perhaps been accelerated is uh, remote consultation, remote monitoring, uh, and, and that sort of stuff. This is the end of podcast part one with Professor Minesh Kashu. In the next episode, he will talk about a futuristic healthcare system which accelerates delivery of healthcare and medical insights. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the podcast 10x Hacks for Startup and Venture Success. This is your host, Vida Patel. I'm bringing you interviews of investors and founders from Silicon Valley and across the globe. This podcast takes a lot of time and effort, so please support this by subscribing to my iTunes, SoundCloud, and LinkedIn podcast pages. Also, please leave your valuable feedback. I will try to make this podcast better with your comments. Thank you so much.